0: Hello everyone, you are listening to the Igbo Initiative podcast with Ugochi Onewu, welcome to the show. Hello everyone, welcome to the Igbo Initiative podcast, where we celebrate Igbo culture by speaking to amazing women in different walks of life, who are either Igbo or have a very close tie to the Igbo culture. Today I am speaking with the amazing and inspiring Chingwe chi Chichi was born prematurely at 27 weeks with cerebral palsy during the Biafra War. Chichi is a lawyer, motivational speaker, author, wife and mother of four sons. She uses her stories to motivate others with challenged lives live their lives to the fullest. She is the CEO of Enabled Life. Enabled Life is a nonprofit organization that is committed to enabling all people living with challenges of any type, especially cerebral palsy, to live their lives to their best abilities. Chi Chi is also the first person with cerebral palsy to graduate from the Nigerian Law School in 1989. Chichi's book, Healing Through My Stories, is available on Amazon. On today's show, we discuss the impact her mother had on her life, dancing at parties with cute guys, meeting her husband, and learning forgiveness in order to travel lighter through life. Hi, Chi-Chi. Thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing fine. Thank you for having me, Ugochi.
0: Of course. It's a pleasure. We have a lot to talk about. I'm excited about learning more about you and your fascinating life. Um, So maybe you can start off. I've already introduced you to the audience. Maybe you can just start off talking about how you were born Um, I understand you were born prematurely and in the middle of the Biafran War. Maybe you can just talk us a little bit about that. Talk us through that.
1: Yes. Um, I was born in 1967, and I was right in the middle of the Biafran War. My parents were residents of Port Accord, and as the war broke, um, my father had to get his wife and the children back to the village. Age, but he remained in potako to secure most of his property. Mm. So I was born. Um, my mom had a history of premature birth. so uh, she was pregnant at the time, mm-hmm. and she had a trusted doctor that was uh, a missionary in a town known as Anua in I think it's somewhere in Akwa Ibom Cross River. Mm. So my mom made her way to Anua. Um, as she started having contractions at about 27 weeks. And um, the missionaries helped her, uh, helped deliver her of the baby. I actually have my birth certificate and I see, you know, all the records, the other children that were born at the same time. I mean, you know, the uh, the gestation of the pregnancy Mm -hmm. at the time that they were born. Um, also, the condition of the children. I remember seeing me, seeing my records being born that early. Hmm. They said I was stable. You know, they said my condition was very stable.
2: Hmm. So
1: that was how I was born. Um, at that time, my mom didn't think anything was wrong. Hmm. She um, we just took a baby home. But okay, no, I'm sorry. Uh, I hear that they didn't have any incubators, so mm-hmm. they wrapped me up in um, the warm blankets. Mm-hmm. And I have an older sister that says, at the time they brought me home, ants, there were ants, you know, yeah. <laughs> that ants used to come to me and everything. Mm-hmm. I had all sorts of um, skin infections, mm-hmm. you know, and they used hot water bottles and... Um, mm-hmm. You know, warm blankets to mm. keep
0: me warm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. You mentioned something. Maybe we can come back to. It. You said that your dad didn't travel with the wives, so I assume you came from a polygamous home.
1: Yes, I did at okay. that time. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. That's that's interesting. And so, talk about um, how life was growing up in Igbo land. Um, did you grow up in your village, or did you grow up in Aba? I think you mentioned you grew up in Aba, which is a, a main city in Imo State at the time. Yes,
1: my childhood started in my village because most of the igbo people ran to the villages to avoid the war mm. so um from 67 to 70 and 71 when the war you know kind of settled down they most of them could not remain in the village there was you know there was hardly anything to do there mm. so most of the um igbo men that were uh, that had dreams they looked for other areas of Iborland to re-establish their home. Mm-hmm. Um, especially those of them that lived in Port Arcot. Mm-hmm. So I grew up in the village. I remember attending, you know, Otaka or <laughs> you know, like 3K in my
2: village. Right. You know, it was
1: in the it was in the village um Anglican church. Mm-hmm. And I remember um sometimes there were classes outside in the sun, on the shade, mm. you know, and, and I remember the classes where them, you know, they would always go in between English and Ego, and, and mm. I remember that. I remember, mm. I still remember some of the songs, and, mm. You know. Mm, mm, yeah.
0: mm. So at that point, did you had you did your mother or your family realize that there was a problem? Um, was it obvious at that time, or was everything normal?
1: I think my mother noticed that I had a pro- I had problems at about nine months.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, when I tried to walk, and I was walking on tiptoes, you know, mm. she. Uh, 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 like most people that have read my book, my mom is kind of, she deals with things that she doesn't understand in her own, you know, way.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So she just thought, you know, I was just a child picking up bad habits.
2: Mm-hmm. So she
1: would, you know, she kept correcting me, kept trying to put the leg down, mm-hmm. and uh, I continued to walk like that. Mm-hmm. But I remember. Growing up, I think probably she started seeing things she did not understand, maybe the weakness in the hand and so many other things. And one of the things that my mom found very frustrating was the fact that whenever she tried to give anything to me, I would try to take it with my right hand. And that was a no-no in Ebola with my left
0: hand. Yes, your left hand. So my mm-hmm. mom would
1: scream and ask me to use my right hand. And uh, I couldn't, mm-hmm. you know, but she just... Out, she was going to force me to conform or to be like every other child in the family. Mm. So mm. that was how that part of my childhood was just about my mother's orders and me trying to figure out how to obey her. Mm. You know, so I remember when I was of, um school going age, then they would ask you to put your hand, you know, to, the, to put one arm to the other ear. And if you can reach the opposite ear, you know, mm-hmm. then you they, they they say you're ready for school. <laughs> yes, yes. So I remember my my mom taking me to the uh, village school, and they asked me to do that, and they said, "Okay, she's ready." Okay. Mm-hmm. The first day, the kids and uh, some of the children were staring at me. Some, you know, said. Things to me that I I, I didn't want to get. I went home and I told her I wasn't going back. Also. Mm. Not my mom. She got her cane, <laughs> so she would <laughs> she would use the cane on me. Wow. And we'll go. Mm. You know, sometimes I'll fall. She won't take the car. We will walk it mm. all the way from my house to the mission. Mm. She she will take her cane and it, she will you know use it on me if I if I'm slow or if I'm not going fast enough or mm. if she sees that you know. I'm trying to, uh, you know, I tried lying on the floor, mm. making her think, you know, I, I couldn't go any further. No, mm. she wouldn't take that. She would just drag me up and, you know, we'll keep going. Mm. So after the first day I knew that I hadn't, she wasn't going to take any of those excuses. Mm. So I just, uh, I had to go to school. Mm. That was, uh, I started school. I started to, you know, learn how to cope with those types of um discrimination and stigma. And mm. Mm. in the family it wasn't a problem apart from I I was I, I like looking for people's troubles, you know. <laughs> I like fighting for my rights. So apart from that I frustrated them in the family mm. and they would just say I don't even know, somebody will say, I don't even know what's wrong with you. Hmm. Do you know you have a bad leg? Hmm. At home, it wasn't a problem I could yes. take anybody on with yes. a bad leg. But yes. outside, I, I, I didn't really want to deal with it. Hmm. So hmm. Hmm.
0: Interesting. I yeah. So so I, I know um, I've been reading a little bit about your book. So I know a little bit um, about your story. Growing up, did you speak Igbo as a child? Did you learn Igbo as a child, or did you le- learn it when you were older?
1: No, Igbo was the official language in my family.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes.
1: Okay. Igbo, I went to federal school where we had to speak English. When I was home, I, you know, Igbo was the official language.
0: Okay, okay. And we'll get to um, secondary school. But I, I want to talk a little bit about your mom um, and the huge impact? Because I've read the book and I know that she had such a huge impact on your life. You talked about the fact that you didn't want to go to school. She made you go to school. She wouldn't accept um, you playing the part of the victim, right? So if you can talk a little bit about how your mom shaped your life, that would be great.
1: Um, Looking at people that have cerebral palsy now and understanding it, medically, understanding it with my own life. Um, I've seen that there was something that my mom knew or there was something that she guessed that was right. She never accepted the weakness. Mm-hmm. She never accepted the stigma. She had one motive. She would always say to me, in mm, you know, which yes. means you're not going to... Be be stuck here with me. Yes. You're going to grow up like every other girl and you're going to go out there and find your life, mm. you know? So I remembered that mm. and that's what drove me to always aspire to, you know, ac- accomplish things that were outside of my home. Mm. I figured out very early that empathy and um, just You know, patronage did not reside with my mom. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I tell this story very well with uh, the story that I wrote on Facebook that is called "Pain Management
2: Mama Style. Yes.
1: I remember my mom taking me to this local mendes because after the war, there were no hospitals in the East. She noticed I was not like every other child, but she wanted to fix me. Mm -hmm. So she inquired, you know, and somebody told her they had local boom menders in a neighboring village called Aziyama. Mm -hmm. So my mom got me dressed one day, and we went to that boom I remember being about three. When we got there, she undressed me, and um, there were several men, but I could tell who the leader was. It was this short man, very muscular, He had a hat on, but he was so dark. Mm. So my mom handed me over to the guy. I remember the smell of the place. Mm. I remember the feel. I remember the, I just, I cannot take that image off my memory. Mm. So they made me on the mat in the hot sun. And the man put his entire strength on my right leg and sliced on it. And I cried out in pain and I looked at my mom. I stretched out my hand for my mom to save me. I had never seen that look before. Mm. She was like a stranger. She was blank. She was cold. Mm. There was no empathy in those eyes. Mm. At three, I had a good lesson, Mm. empathy does not reside here. Mm. It doesn't. And that helps me deal with life, you know. I really don't expect much from anywhere. I just know you have to face whatever obstacles or whatever challenges you, you see and mm. keep going. Mm. Mm.
0: Wow. But at that time, so, so you, I've read that story, and I guess my question for you, when I read it, was was there a doubt in your heart about whether or not your mother loved you?
2: Of course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And
1: the the doubt remains till today. Mm.
0: <laughs> the doubt remains
1: till today. Mm. And um, I, I think it also goes like you know, I do a lot of things from being a disability advocate to just being a motivator to helping people figure it out. Mm. Every human being has a specific need. I still crave that kindness mm. and that affirmation from her. Mm. Even as a 51 year mm. old. Mm. Do I have better understanding for why she can do it that way? Of course I do. Mm. But does it take away what I long for? No. Mm. Mm. Mm.
0: Wow, that's, that's interesting. And, you know, I know you're a mother now. Um, so do you have... A, how do I ask this question? Do you have a different style of mothering than your mother did? Does that make sense? Because, you know, I've, I've seen a, a lot of times it does we kind make, of... It does, it does okay.
1: make sense. Okay. And I will, I will try to give you... And, you know, I'm a very honest person. I mm. don't. I have a little bit different style, but when it comes to the way that I express love to myself, I say, you can give what you don't have. Mm. I don't know love like other people know it. Love for me is not in the words. Mm. It's not always in the cases. Mm. I express my love in my presence, in what I can give mm. in my sacrifices mm. I mm. express it in my asso- association with them, I mean how you know, I relate with them
2: Oh, mm. when I can, when
1: I can, I tell them I love them, mm. but it's
0: not something
1: that comes um naturally to me
0: mhm-, mm-hmm. 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 But, you know, you learned, you said you learned early on at age three, although it was a really painful, I can't even imagine lesson that there was no empathy and that you were not going to be stuck at home with your mother. You were going to grow up and become something, which you did. Right. So let's move on to that, because obviously there's a very, very inspiring and positive story that comes after childhood. So you went to secondary school. I know we went to the same school and then you went on to become a lawyer. So talk a little bit about that
1: okay so going to secondary school you know creates a whole new set of situations it was the first time I was going to be away from my family home mm-hmm. at this time disability was very strange to Igbo mm-hmm. most people with disability were either left to die mm-hmm. or were hidden behind closed doors yeah. I think looking back now, because I always try to look at the reasons that people did what they did. Mm. Coming from the war, I believe that most people just felt it was a waste of resources.
2: Mm. You
1: know, they were struggling to
2: survive.
1: Mm. the um, able-bodied people had enough trouble to, you know, deal with. Mm. They were not going to waste it on somebody who They were not sure of their future or how long they would be there. Mm. Remember, there wasn't proper medical diagnosis. Mm. You didn't know if it was something that would kill this person. So it was just very difficult to invest in people living with challenges. Mm. But my, my, my family, maybe because they had the means, maybe because my mom was in a polygamy set up and she didn't want to be stuck with a child. She didn't want to be the one to be stuck with a child. Mm. So she always pushed me and I had already figured it out. Empathy doesn't leave you, I Keep going, keep going. Mm. She kept pushing me, you know, to go out to the world. Mm. So I, when I got to, when it came to taking the secondary school examinations, I remember taking regular secondary school examinations. And I did pass, and I started secondary school in another school. But I also know that a lot of the, I, I had a lesson that um, we attended in At that time. There was a lady in the that mm-hmm. gave us, you know, like home lesson. Mm-hmm. We, we used to go to her mm-hmm. house. Mm-hmm. So all the people in my lesson, they were aspiring to take this federal school examination. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I had already learned competition. You know, whatever other people were trying yeah. to do, I was trying to do it. Right. Uh, I got enrolled to take the um, Federal Common Entrance Examination. Mm. I was already in another secondary school, mm. but I just wanted to take it just to prove. It, last minute, a part of me wanted to fail. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't fail.
2: Mm. So when
1: there is came out. My mom was overjoyed because it was competitive. Mm. And that was the only person in my family at that time that automatically had passed into a federal school. So she bought everything brand new, you know, Mm. and um, she got me ready to go to school. I thought, okay, last minute she will change her mind. I just didn't know what was involved. Mm. And on the day, she put my suitcase in the the car, in the trunk of the Mm. car, got the driver, we started driving to a way. There was Mm. silence between us. Because Sorry, let me
0: stop you there, because this is a boarding school, in case the audience is not aware. She was taking you to boarding school, right?
1: Yes, she was Mm. taking me to boarding school. That means there will be no home to run back to, Mm. you know, when you're in trouble. And you didn't know if you could cope, you know, even though my mom had prepared me. Hmm. I was the only person in the house that could see that she made wash her clothes, that she hmm. made, you know, carry things. And hmm. I was I looked for trouble everywhere. There was a story I wrote about um some years ago. I don't remember the, the title. You know me and my funny title <laughs> with my stories. But I remember my senior sister coming back in nineteen seventy seven from the UK. Hmm. I had I'm the last child of my mother, so I have much older sister. Mm-hmm. And I remember her asking me to go tell someone to wash her car. And I went. I just said I wanted to please my sister. I wanted her to notice me. I, I went to wash her car. Mm-hmm. I had carried the first bucket, washed the car. Second bucket, with all the soap, solid, I fell. Oh, wow. And I tried to reach out to the um, tanker that the water came from, and it just caught my wrist. So I remember just wiping it on my clothes and just saying, no, my sister must tell me that I did a good job. So my sister got ready to go out. And she came out, she saw me, soap, plenty of water, and red, covered in blood. Mm, She screamed, and I I just told her to shut up because Mama would kill me. Mm. She would. (laughs) she's Mm. She's going to just give me the... Banking of my life wow. because nobody actually do that. So at least I knew somehow I could carry, you know, buckets of yes. water. Yeah, <laughs> yes. I could make my bed. I knew I could, you know, wash my clothes. Mm. So, but I didn't expect that I would be doing that every day. So mm. on that day, we got to well away, and uh, my mom talked to the principal and the matron, and she turned to me with that same stern look and said, you are now the ambassador of this family. Mm. If you embarrass yourself or the family, you're in trouble. Mm. And as she said that, I thought at the last minute that she was going to change her mind and say, oh no, let's go home. She didn't. Mm. She just turned and walked away Mm. and left me in that strange place, Mm. alone. And that was one of the things that kept haunting me as I grew up.
0: Mm. What mother does that, Mm. you know? So, Mm. 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 interesting. You know, so so I guess before we move on, because you've um, brought up a question in my mind. Have you reconciled? I know to your point, you said that there's still a longing for what you didn't have, but you kind of understand. The motive. So have you kind of, are you at peace now to be able to sort of face the future or are there still a lot of questions as to why you got the treatment that you did from your mother? Does that make sense? Um, It took
1: me time understanding. Mm -hmm. It took me time trying to understand that because it got worse. After second, while I was in secondary school during the holidays, I used to go for treatment in the UK. And so many times my mom would not be there. I would make those appointments. I would go alone or I would go with one of my older sisters. Mm. So I kept, you know, wondering what is going on here. What kind of mother does this? Mm. But I think my mother found, you know, faith in me very early. Mm. She had tried me out and she knew that I was going to be okay. So, well, I understood that that was the way it was going to be between us. And it mm.
2: he, he helped
1: me realize the strength I had within me. Mm. So after secondary school, it wasn't a problem. I had to go to Nigerian law school, and that was far away. In, no, I went to State University, which was in Okigwe. Mm. I had to leave there. I had to, first it was in Abuja, mm. then Okigwe.
2: Mm-hmm. So I lived in school.
1: It was not a problem. At this point, I had figured out how to cope. I had yes. figured out how to get along with mm. everybody. Of course, with the university, there was the issue of the boys. You know, that
0: was a new thing. Yes. <laughs> yes. That was a new thing. Yeah, yeah so, talking about the boys, and we'll talk about you becoming a lawyer, but I remember a story you told. I don't know if this was a university or in law school of a party that you went to. You know where I'm going, right? I'd love for you to yes, tell that story. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh.
1: so that was that was in university okay. that was in university so I had um, in my school Emo State University all the guys knew who I was they knew that I could dance till daybreak and you know life was just so free and so great uh, mm. at that time so we would go to parties and dance all night mm. I was a crazy dresser mm. I was just I was daring. there was no problem in fact I was the life of the the party. Mm-hmm. So, I continued that way, but one day, a friend of mine had asked me, oh, let's go to, do you mind coming with me to a party in Inugu campus, which was on Soka, mm-hmm. um Inugu campus, then. Mm-hmm. So I said, oh, sure, let's go. I had a sister there that was in College of Medicine, so mm-hmm. it wasn't a problem. I had a place to stay.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So we went to Inugu campus, in the evening, there was a party, and we, went to the party so in those days boys sat on one side and the girls sat on one side we were just whispering you know oh look at that cool guy oh this one is cute oh that one is cute so when they started playing the music the cutest guy got up and started approaching the girl's section.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean I, I knew I had a pretty face, but hey, there, there's more to raise, you know, <laughs> don't let the face deceive you. So this guy to get who he thinks is the prettiest girl. Mm-hmm. We had come in early, so so many of them did not see us coming in, you right. know. So they didn't know. So this guy as he starts approaching the girl's section, something told me he was coming to me. Mm-hmm. Even though I would love it, but I didn't want to be the first person on the town <laughs> or with this, you know, guy. So, and as he starts approaching, I was now sure, but I was scared. I was afraid. And that's something that hardly happens to me. So I started saying, oh, no, oh, no. Mm-hmm. He tapped me on my shoulder and whispered to me. He asked me, he said, can I have this dance with you? (laughs) A part of me wanted to say no. Mm. A part of me wanted to say, why not?
2: Mm -hmm. So
1: in that short moment, I thought about it. Which one will it be? Will Mm -hmm. it be yes or no? I just said, okay, let me say yes. So I just said yes. And he held my hand and we started going towards the dance floor. I think I took like two steps. Mm-hmm. He realized something was wrong. Mm-hmm. He turned and looked at me and he said, oh, I'm so sorry.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Can I take you back to your seat? Mm-hmm. At that moment, I had to define myself. I leaned in just like he did. And I said, you know, if I didn't know how to dance, I wouldn't get up. Do you want to try?
2: <laughs> I think he was just a nice.
1: You know, mm. looking back now, he mm. just mm. said, okay. Mm. And he held my hand and proceeded to the dance floor. Mm. We got there. We did the first dance, which I was um, All Night Long by yes. Lionel Richie. Yes. Then, mm. you know, if you know the routine in those days, they would go from the fast to the slow. Mm. So when they started playing the slow music, I remember Secret Lovers, you know, by Atlantic Star. Yes. They just you know, pulled me towards him and we swayed to the dance. As we swayed to the Secret Lover" song, I felt a little bit comfortable because now you, I had a shoulder to lean on. Yes. And, yes. and all that fear yes. had just melted away, you know, I had... Owned myself. Mm. I considered what would have um, I had owned my life and my story. I considered what would have been my fate mm. if I said no, mm. or if I said yes and I fell. Mm. Okay, which, when I'm nervous, that's a possibility. Mm.
0: <laughs> that's a possibility. Yeah, you know, yes. it's
1: a terrible possibility You just can't even. Hmm. You, you cannot tell when you will fall. Hmm. Anything could trip you. So, but hey, it worked out. Hmm. And after that, I, while we were dancing, other people came to ask him, you know, can I dance with her? Mm-hmm. They, they they, already saw it. <laughs> they were already prepared for what they were getting. Mm-hmm. So when they asked him, he said no. Now that I'm older, I think, back like, and I, I say, this guy wasn't saying no because he, he loved me. He yes. wasn't saying no because he wanted to date me. Yes. He wasn't saying no because he wanted to marry me. Yes. I think he yes. was saying no because he said, I brought her. Yes. <laughs> I brought her. Yes, floor, and, so. yes. and I have to make sure she's okay. Oh. I don't want to give her. who he will not handle that with that much care. Mm.
2: So mm.
1: The next time he asked me if I was tired, I said yes. Because mm. one thing is I tell myself the truth. Mm-hmm. I am so truthful to myself, and I save myself the trouble, and I'm truthful to you know I'm truthful to other people. Mm. So I, he asked me, "Are you tired?" I said to myself, Chi, well, you better just go back to your seat. Mm. Now that you haven't had any accidents, yes. don't wait for, for
0: yes. an accident. Don't tempt fate." So, I,
1: yes. 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 so he walked into my seat, and he thanked me, mm. and
0: uh, I was ready to go home
1: because. Mm. I remember that day, just as because I was, we were about to go, this older guy kept following me. And you know, in Nigeria, in those days, when a guy keeps following you, yeah. oh, he wants to ask you out.
2: Yeah.
1: He was older. I could tell he was a student. I didn't really want to talk to him. But he told me, he said, no, it's not what you think.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I have a daughter just like you. Mm-hmm. How do I make her to grow up mm-hmm. like you? Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, that's easy. Just allow her to do, just let her do whatever she wants to do. You yes. know, don't stop her. Yes. And you he said, is that
0: all? Mm. I said, yeah. And mm. he said, thank you. Mm. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that that's always drawn me to you, Chichi, you know this, is just I love your confidence and your strength. I love the fact that you're embracing life and being all that you were created to be, you know. So you went on from there, and just for the audience, you went on from there, you became a lawyer, and then you met your husband. I'd love you to talk us through that next phase of life.
1: So I want to point out one thing. Sure. When I came to Federal away, I was very sheltered. I was not um, confident. You know, it was my first time being away from home. So I remember after the first term, um, normally they will make comments. You know, your class teacher will make a general comment about you.
2: Mm-hmm. So,
1: I uh, they made a, my teacher made a comment, a good student, but um, should learn to socialize, mm-hmm. you know, or should learn to associate with other students or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So when my dad got the report card, he read everything, and when he got to that spot, he asked me. He said, "Why?" Are you snobbing other children? Mm-hmm. Is it your money? Mm-hmm. Look, if you come back home with this report the next time, I will punish you. Mm-hmm. So the next time I decided to go back to school, and I decided to go back to school and try to associate with other, mm-hmm. other students.
2: Mm-hmm. It was very
1: hard at that time. There are a few people that I really remember I was drawn to, Mm. okay? Because the people that were in the same house and class with me were quasi our common friend, quasi, who has always been a darling, And so many other people, you know, they were in the same class and the same house with Mm. me. So I wanted, and then there were some of them that were in greenhouse. So we normally go as a group to, to class. Mm. Initially it was a little bit difficult for me because that mean, meant I had to force myself mm. into their group because mm. I wasn't there already. Mm. And they didn't, not everybody kind of embraced me mm. initially.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Not because they were, they were biased. No, they didn't know what to trust. Yes, They didn't know if I would fall. Mm. Because I remember one friend, she Kept making this statement, oh, I don't want you to fall, then your father will take us to, to jail. Mm-hmm. You know, so and that she didn't know she hurt me mm-hmm. through the years. You know, she didn't know that that was not a very um, kind thing to say to somebody like me because mm-hmm. I was just struggling to be normal. Right. But she too was struggling to be normal. She was speaking her truth. Yes. You know,
0: exactly. So, but
1: um, mm-hmm. then I realized that the only way I was going to get through the away and be embraced was to be notorious, you know. So I started doing things like <laughs> jumping the window, <laughs> you wow. know? I started bringing extra colored clothes to school. And <laughs> um, when they asked me what it is, I remember me, uh, one of our teachers that was so strict, you know, uh, in those days. She used to conduct the searches and take out all the extra um. You know, dresses yeah. that were because we were allowed to, I think we were allowed to um, mufti yes. or colored
2: dresses. Yes, exactly. Yep. The rest
1: would be school uniform, you mm. know. So I would have a box full of extra clothes from home. Mm. And she would, each dress she pulled out, I would say, Oh, it's my nightdress. <laughs> so she pulled out this silk suit and she was going to, you know, um, take it with her because it was against the law for the rule for me to have more than two. Mm. And I said, it, it's my night clothes." She was very aware at that time. She asked me, who goes to bed with silk? <laughs> and I said, you haven't heard. My father is say Melonia." Oh,
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. good grief. <laughs> <cream.
1: laughs> Did <laughs> she laugh? The sort a of family that I came from. Yeah. They will kill you because they don't want to talking about money or talking yeah. about affluence. They just want you to go there and do the right thing. Yes, so yes. when I said that, the, the teacher was confused. Yeah. She didn't know if she should take my night clothes. <laughs> she knew it was not my night clothes, But again, the more I did, the more I noticed that I had the following, you yes, know, that yeah. kind of opened the way for me. Yeah. I remember I would pierce my ears and then go to the matron, buy lots of Earrings and put them on, you know, and we were allowed only a pair. Yes, they would get the privilege to stop me and take the extra earrings. Mm. I will bring out extra from my purse, and <laughs> that's not really who I am. But mm. what people did not realize at that time, those were all ways that I knew I could create that fit. In yes. you know, order, children to trust. Yes. At yes. that point, being notorious was easier than being disabled. Yes. You know, exactly. because you showed certain abilities that were not natural for somebody in your yes. in your condition. Yeah. And before you, then not too long after that, you know, I started getting involved, fashion parade, anything that any yes. of the other girls are doing. So it became. I just became one of the girls. Mm. It was no longer a
2: problem. Yeah.
1: Know, so. Amazing. Well, way actually formed me. Things I didn't do in school were things I intentionally did not want to do, yeah. like cutting grass. Not that I couldn't do it. I mm. would tell them I can do it and mm. they would not argue with me, you know. Yes. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I guess
0: yes, that I just, go ahead. So I guess that strength and, and uh confidence carried you to law school. You met Tony. Tell us about that.
1: Okay, so after the university, um, it was time for law school. At this point, I didn't really bother telling my parents, you know, my plans. They just knew that I was ready to go to law school. Um, I had to find a place to live. At that time, it was more convenient to live in the law school hostel, and from there, um, go to school because it was very close. Mm-hmm. To the um, they had a bus that took us to school. So law school was um, much of a problem. And um, at that point, I had friends from my university. I had people that knew me. Mm-hmm. So they, we just moved on to law school. Other people knew how to relate to me by watching my friends, right. you know, when they, when they thought that my friends were comfortable around me.
2: Mm-hmm. And when they saw that.
1: And yeah, I had this group of friends, you know, like they would come to ask me about things and they will, you know, they are always doing things with me like they don't notice any difference. Mm -hmm. So any of the new people just see that relationship and they open their mind to dealing with me that way. Mm -hmm. So we we used to sit at the back of the law school class and I have one friend I brought from my university. So every day she would point out this guy to me and say, oh, Chisco, this guy is cute don't you want to know him and I'm like this is a baby what am I
2: going to do with him so,
1: but one day um, I had lost my ID card and this guy had an ID in his hand and I kind of felt it was mine because I noticed there was a C and an A in mm. the in the card mm. so I I said to him is that my card he said no see it." and I said What's your name? He told me his first name. He said it was Anthony. I said, so why do you have Chimwe on your card? <laughs> he said his middle name was Chimwe, and I'm like, no, no Ebo man answers Chimwe. Mm. So he gave me the card to look at, and that was true. His name, his middle name is really Chimwe. Oh wow! So we okay. Said, we said hi, and from that day at least, we we'll, you know smile at each other. We we'll talk. And because um, I'm kind of easygoing, very playful, and um, I, you know, I I just know how to crack the right joke, mm-hmm. you know, so we'll, talk, we'll joke at the back of the class. But we didn't think anything of it. Then my brother-in-law died, mm-hmm. and he saw me crying. There were no cell phones, so somebody came to tell me in law school that my brother-in-law had just Mm, died, mm. and I was very close to him, so I was crying. Mm. As a friend, he asked me why I was crying, I told him, so he said, oh no, he said, I said I was worried about my sister, I didn't want her to bring up two young children Mm. alone. So he said, no, she'll be fine. My mom was a widow, Mm. and my mom raised myself and my brother. So I said, oh, really? So when it was time to go to the Village for the funeral, he offered to go with me. Mm. And um, then we became good friends. Mm. You know, he was very shy that. He didn't really like talking about himself. But I knew how to get people to talk. (laughs) You know, so he eventually opened up. He just lost his best friend. And everything. So at that time, we were just good friends. We didn't think anything, and we kept going. I don't want to give details that, (laughs) you know, may shock the the
0: airways. (laughs) 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 Okay, so we can summarize. (laughs) He's your husband now, so we can skip. We can skip the details. And Nigeria in the
1: eighties, life was
0: life was different. Yes. So, yes.
1: Um, young people, they know where they are going, yep. but they also know, you know, they, what they can take advantage of. Yes, so, exactly. We can
2: die and um,
1: <laughs> after law school, he, he had, um, he was, he had been signed on to do youth service mm. in Port Harcourt. And I was sent to Calabar, But we were already friends. And I thought, okay, it would be good to be in the same place with this guy. And I know Potakos. I have a, you know, my dad has a lot of houses in Potakos. Okay, Mm -hmm. I will change to go to Mm Potakos. So I changed. And at that time, he had traveled to the East with me. He had gone to my family home. He had also attended um, my sister's wedding as a friend. So we were quite close. I went, I changed my posting to Port mm-hmm. and then I told my dad I needed an apartment, and he was like, "No, no girl lives alone before she gets married right. in this house. Mm-hmm. You will have to live with your sister or any or an aunt or uncle till you get married." And I'm like, "Not this girl. Mm-hmm. I want." my own place. Mm. And I knew why I was asking for my own place. I had a boyfriend, you know, <laughs> so I wanted to um, come to my sister's house and um, eventually he had a, a, a an apartment that he rented to a school and he had been trying to get them out. He told me, he said, he just you know, made it more difficult for me. He said, if you can get these people out of the apartment, you can have it.
2: Mm-hmm. He,
1: of course, he didn't know me, so I had to um, when we were in law school, they taught us that if you are the offspring of a landlord and somebody else is living in the property and you need it for your use, that you could, that was basis to evict hmm. that tenant. Okay. So I wrote the school a letter. I told them, you know, that... Um, my father's child and I needed that place mm. and they informed their teacher to vacate and when she vacated my I, I know my dad told people she will come running back mm. she can last long in that place but yeah. I did last long yeah. at that stage I remodeled the house in Notam. I just like challenging yes. you know
2: yes yes I can do t-
1: apartment yes. made it very comfortable and moved in you know Oh, that started my relationship with Tony. <laughs> then, occasionally, I would go visit him when they had events in their own home. I would go. I don't think we entered the relationship at that time mm. with marriage in mind. Mm. Personally, I hadn't thought about marriage. As mm. an evil girl, I did not want to marry. Mm. I
2: thought
1: that um, I just didn't want to deal with the questions that the family of them yes. will ask, you know, because I knew that they were not going to embrace me and cerebral palsy mm. the way that I wanted. And I knew that there would be bad days mm. that even the the, the the spouse will use your disability against you, mm. you know. So I just said, okay, maybe one day I'll marry, you know, a white man,
2: mm. <laughs>
1: because i in the Wohuda side of Nigeria, they had embraced disability mm. to an extent. Yes. So, yeah. but meeting Tony and going that far with him, um, you know, I just saw the possibility of uh, really, no, I wouldn't even say I saw the possibility of marriage. It was a good relationship mm-hmm. and I, I looked at it that way. I enjoyed it for the moment. I just kept excluding myself from that marriage thing. Mm. But one thing that shocked me about him was um, he was always so eager to introduce me to people as his girlfriend. Mm. And that was something that I wasn't used to, you know, because, of course, I had dated people before. They were kind to me, they liked me, but it was always difficult for them to deal with that issue when it comes. When you know there were other people involved, they didn't know how to present it to other people that this was their their girlfriend. and I knew deep inside me that that was what I wanted. So when I saw this person that didn't mind, I, in fact I felt sorry for him, (laughs) it's like every time he introduces me to his friends, they will keep their mouth open. Like, you know, what? Now waiting now, Uh -uh." you know, but. In a day or two of meeting me, they will find out what he saw in yes, me. So, yes, but yes. It, 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 and he was so young, I just hmm. thought, why would somebody want to mortgage his life for hmm. ever hmm. doing this? Hmm. And I was very guarded because I didn't want to. You know how it is in Ebola and tomorrow they will say, you forced yourself yes, on him. Yes, you know, so, yeah. I didn't yeah. want that. I just wanted to be on my own.
2: Yeah.
1: But also, I wanted children. I knew I wanted children. Mm-hmm. I craved that, mm-hmm. especially daughters. You know.
0: Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> which and, is interesting because you have four boys now. So. <laughs>
1: yes. Yes, I had to, I had mm-hmm. to learn to, you know, mm-hmm. take what God had. Had given, given you.
2: Me. Yeah. I, I I
1: really wanted daughters. Mm. So, Mm. at the point, I think about four years to the relationship, it became a problem because people would come to me or come to him and say, if you're not going to marry that girl, stop taking her everywhere. And for me, I found it a, a problem because, can't we just be friends? Mm-hmm. Do we have
2: to marry? Mm-hmm. You
1: know, but um, then, because I wanted children, at the point I got pregnant.
2: Mm-hmm. And I told
1: him, I said, I'm mm-hmm. going to keep the baby. And mm-hmm. he said, well, I don't want any of my children born outside wedlock, mm-hmm. and And I, I don't want to, I cannot afford to marry you right now. Mm-hmm. But if you wait, I know I'll marry you." Mm. And I'm like, you know what? you don't really need to marry me. Because mm-hmm. at this time I had moved back to Lagos. I had my own house mm-hmm. and everything. So I'm like, you don't need to marry me, but I can have this baby. And he said, no, I don't want any of my children on the outside wedlock. Mm. But I said to him, I don't want it to be that you married me mm. because of the baby. Mm. So he said, no. I want to marry you, it's just that I will not be able to give you the kind of ceremony that you you would want, mm-hmm. you know, so we agreed to that, and I left my own house mm-hmm. and moved into his house with him, and we just um, started watching the pregnancy grow, mm-hmm. um, I think it was in the seventh month of the pregnancy, there about six months, we had gone to the village for Christmas. I went to my own village. He went to his. Mm -hmm. He didn't tell me. So um, one day, he came. Now, he said he needed to talk to me and we stepped out to the balcony and he knelt down and asked me if I would marry him. He gave me a ring
2: and
1: I didn't know he already bought the ring. I didn't know he knew my measurements. (laughs) And I just, you know, I was like, young man, why do you want to get yourself in this trouble? It's Mm -hmm. too complicated for you to do. But he did that. Mm -hmm. Then, um, Mm -hmm. after the ring, he told my mom that he wanted to come with his people Mm -hmm. to do, and to bring the wine, you know. Mm -hmm. So my mom said, okay, she was going to talk to my dad. Mm -hmm. She talked to my dad, and my dad said, "Um, did they Tony wanted to come was not convenient and Tony grew up in Lagos so he and he was one of these people he's like oh why would the guy want to change the date but mm. you know now he appreciates what my dad did yes. just because yes.
2: Yes. she has a
1: disability don't think we want to throw yes. her
2: away exactly. you
1: have some kind of hurdle, you know yeah. so of course, my dad didn't know I was pregnant because if he knew, he would not have accepted the wine. Mm. In my in my village, if you're pregnant, they will give you. You just go with the man, okay? You've already defiled. Oh, if I see. Devolved,
0: okay, yeah, yeah. So. yeah. Um,
1: I knew my mom knew, but my mom said she was going to pretend mm. she didn't know. Mm. So two months after that ceremony. My one of my uncle, I had had the baby in Lagos, and we asked my father's close friend to come see the baby. He knew I was pregnant, but he didn't tell my dad. Yeah, so he came to see the baby, and then he went to the village to tell my dad that I had had the baby. Hmm. Um, Mwolan and Mwola hmm. sound alike, oh, so when wow. he said I had had the baby, my dad thought I died yeah. because it was him he could not imagine me having a baby how right. so and um, then my uncle repeated and said no she has a baby she has a boy I saw him and my dad was like what what who <laughs> and my dad said, do you mean she was pregnant when i drank her wine? and he asked my mom my mom said she didn't know yeah. you know but my dad said oh no you guys will get me in trouble <laughs> but he, asked him, he was overjoyed he was like just like yeah. that nobody yeah. called me nobody told me yeah. she was in hospital yeah. nobody told me she needed any help you know yeah. so that's yeah. how we that's how we managed to you know prove ourselves yeah and,
0: that's great.
1: You make most people comfortable with the marriage and with the yes, family. That
0: yeah. that is just amazing. You now have four boys and uh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So 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 we've we've covered um that part and it's just an amazing story how you met Tony, wonderful man. How long have you been married?
1: 25 going to 26.
0: That's amazing. Just amazing. Uh, yeah, so so you you've you've um had the, You had the boys, even though you wanted a girl, you have four boys. Hopefully you'll have granddaughters, right? So that's well, the me, next me, phase.
1: We're looking forward to that. We, we've told them the first one to have a girl is having the girl for us.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. So let's move on, Chinwe, um, to your current, uh, what you're doing now. So you started... The Enabled Life Organization, I'd love you to tell the audience about that, how it came about, what, what, it, what the mission is, and what you see the future being for that organization.
1: So um, the Enabled Life Organization is an organization that is established to showcase people living with disabilities and using my life as an example to empower and motivate them to do better. But I find the work that I do to be a little bit complicated mm-hmm. because I find out that most of the people that I encourage or motivate do not have disabilities. Mm-hmm. So I tried to find a way for the enabled life to embrace you know, anybody.
2: Mm. that
1: would want to make a challenged life better.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Because I say, every single person has a disability. Some are physical, some are not. Some are visible, some are not. Mm -hmm. And I say, normal does not exist.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Normal is whatever state you can function in. So with the enabled life, I say, you can live a challenged life to the fullest. And that means everybody looking for answers to live life better can find the tools Mm -hmm. from the organization. Mm. We focus on people living with cerebral palsy, Mm -hmm. but we are not limited Mm -hmm. to motivating only those people. Mm. So that enabled life, I do my writing, which is just, you know, writing from a place of freedom,
2: mm-hmm.
1: from a place of depth. Most mm-hmm. from the place that most people will not want to go to, mm-hmm. but from a place that is real and true. Mm-hmm. Then I have the motivational part. Then I actually have the empowerment part. Uh, the organization is based in the U.S., but I also have an organization, in a foundation in Nigeria, mm. that the U.S. organization benefits at times, they have the ability to run on their own too. Mm. So anybody looking for answers to live a, a, a full life can find it within neighborhood life.
0: Mm. Amazing, amazing, amazing. So maybe we can wrap up. First of all, if you can tell us how to reach you, talk about your book that you wrote, and how people can get a copy to learn more about your story, and then um, some parting words of wisdom that you may have for the audience.
1: On Facebook, you can find me under the name Chichi Iro. C H I C H I I R O. Mm-hmm. Or under the organization's name, the Enabled Life Organization. Okay. Then our website is theenabledlife.org. Okay. Theenabledlife.org. Okay what else? Um, The book. I have one book on Amazon and it's healing through my stories, which Mm -hmm. is the story of my mom. Mm -hmm. It starts from the the day my mom died Mm -hmm. and how all those emotions that I had, you know, had to bury to live this, to live the life that I have now all came to the surface because Mm -hmm. I no longer had my mom to give me the answer. So I had to figure out the answers on my own so that I could travel, you know, lighter. Mm. And I did that so that I could find peace
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and move on. Mm. So it's a book that will help most people struggling with unforgiveness, struggling with, you know, the stories that they've been carrying from infancy to adulthood. Mm. So Mm. it will help with healing. Mm-hmm. Then I have other books. I have other books in Nigeria, and I have a book that I'm another book that I'm about to publish. Oh, you know, so.
0: nice, mm-hmm. nice. So yeah, we'll we'll definitely make that available to our audience so they can access that as well. Um, do you have any last words of wisdom for the, for the audience?
1: Everybody has a challenge to constantly dig up yours mm. and, you know, find reasons not to proceed because you carry that burden from mm. the past. Mm. It's just self-hate. Mm. The sooner you come to terms with the issues, bring them out on the table, accept how they hurt you, try to figure out why the person that hurt you did. Mm. Sometimes blame it on ignorance. Mm. Blame it on, you know, lack of love. Blame Mm. it on anything. Mm. But give yourself the reason to forgive them. Mm. That was what I had to do with healing through my story. Mm. And then it was only after that that I could look at myself. And say, I was ready to live the life that I'm living now. Mm, mm, mm.
0: That is awesome. That's such a great way to end. Chichi, this has been brilliant. I'm so glad we had a chance to talk. Thank you so much uh, for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate
0: you too. Thanks everyone for joining us today. A quick reminder before you go to check out the website at www.vebo.com and subscribe to the podcast to receive updates. Please also leave comments and provide feedback. You can also follow me on Instagram at Ebo Initiative. I look forward to speaking to you on the next episode.